0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer. I'm Dan Elmendorf. We have a special broadcast today. As some of you may know, Lenora, the dear wife of Dr. Peter Hammond, finally succumbed to cancer and passed from this life on November the 9th. Peter is a friend of this ministry, and his wife Lenora was a profound helpmate and worker for Frontline Fellowship in South Africa. So today, with permission from Peter, we are sharing part of this podcast that was recorded with Peter, his son-in-law Hunter Combs, and daughter Andrea Combs, as they reflected on this remarkable life of Lenora Hammond.
1: And welcome to this special edition of From the Frontline. I'm Hunter Combs, in the studio with Dr. Hammond and my beautiful wife, Andrea Combs. Good to have you here tonight. Well. Oh. Not just beautiful,
2: but uh, my favorite firstborn daughter.
3: Thanks, Dad.
1: Absolutely. And tonight we're going to be discussing um, celebrating the life and legacy of my mother-in-law, Lenora Hammond, um, and what she meant to all of us and really just discussing her life and um, the legacy she left behind. And many of you knew Lenora. Uh, You may have known her from her different activities, whether it was paddling or sewing and quilting. She always was sewing or knitting or doing some project. She never was sitting idle. (laughs) Um, But... More than that, we want to talk about who she was as a person, and her love for Christ, her love for life, um, the wisdom she had, um, just the, the real fresh perspective you always got on life from her. Um, but ever since I became in the picture part of the family the last 11 years, I think from the time I met Andrea, uh, Lenora was battling with breast cancer. That's about when the battle began. And so we just want to take some time to discuss um, just the life of Lenora and some of that tonight. Andrea, do you want to? Open us.
2: Well, I should say that um, today, 16th of November, is Lenora's birthday. It's her yeah. first birthday in heaven. She had turned 61 today. Mm. Born in Sussex in England in Eastbourne. I think that's a surprise. Many people may not automatically know that uh, although Lenora is known as being in South Africa, she was brought up in Austria, but she was born in England to American missionary parents. So mm. that gives you a real missionary background and, and how she she grew up with German being a first language at school, and she could speak both dialect and Hochdeutsch, uh, both high German and the, the local Grossgemeine dialect, uh, with the accent of, of the locals. And she learned French in school. When we went to Paris, I remember the French people saying... And she speaks French. Was well, that the taste of an accent? <laughs> um, and uh, that became an ongoing joke throughout our time. And Lenora could just so easily slip between speaking English with an American accent, or South African mm. accent, or British accent, or German with the Austrian accent, and she was French with a French accent. And when I was locked up in prison in 1989, we'd just been married six months. One very obnoxious journalist wrote. Lenora Hammond, who claims to be an American but who speaks with a distinctly South African accent. So that became another standing joke that uh, uh, Lenora, being a well-traveled missionary daughter, she could just uh, easily assimilate into so many different mm. cultures around the world. And it was just mm. extraordinary. I mean, I'd sometimes be with her looking at who is this person because she could just so adapt. Mm. Uh, even with the people in Romania, uh, she had acquired enough Romanian to mm. adapt to them. So she is, she is so – uh, easy in adaptability, which is extraordinary. And, and she actually liked people.
1: Mm, yeah. <laughs> and behind every, they say behind every strong leader is a strong and godly woman behind them, at least for Christian leaders, that is. Um, and I think that's very true for you. And these godly women behind these godly leaders really make them who they are. And I think that's been very true of you. And as you've said, she's helped hone and shape you. Kicked you under the table sometimes oh, when you said inappropriate things.
2: black and blue shin sometimes for, <laughs> for undiplomatic things said. And uh, Lenore was from the earliest waging war against my abrasiveness, impatience, and so on. And she said that uh, she had to continually remind me, saying, I'm not like those other frontline girls who've come through the army. And uh, <laughs> because uh, obviously our way of tackling things was a bit different. She was far more polished and not… Mm-hmm interested in this um, abrupt, abrasive way that was part of our culture. She did change. In fact, one of the first things Laura said to me when we met was, is it true that you've woken people up at the frontline camps with thunder flashes and stun grenades? <laughs> just, well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but not on Sundays. And, uh, and uh, she thought that was absolutely terrible. But on Sundays, we let them sleep in half an hour and then woke them up with guitar singing. this is the day. And uh, she thought it was just outrageous that uh, I could roll... Uh, explosive devices under people's bunks in the morning to wake them up. But, um, I mean, that was the old front line.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And so she has helped shape and sort of infuse wisdom into all of our lives, I think. And anyone who knew Lenora, really, I think any conversation you've had with her, she's always had some nuggets of wisdom, of truth to speak into your life. Mm -hmm. And you can hardly go away from a conversation with um, our mom or your wife, Lenora, without – Getting some new perspective on life without getting some new insight and being challenged. She never was one just to pat you on the back. It was always, okay, now what else can you do? Well, you're running 20Ks. Can't you run 40Ks? <laughs> well,
2: can't it's, you do more? <laughs> it's true. In fact, yeah. I must say that uh, having gone through military PT, uh, that was nothing compared to going to the gym with Laura because, you know, it would be. No, you, you, you can't just do pull-ups. You've got to do it uh, rotating. Hang the sandbag from the back of your feet while you're doing it. No, you can't just do sit-ups. You need to do it with this medicine ball. Just think ways. do you know how these things are? And then, no, you can't just do a push-up like that. You know, do it one-handed and then do it knuckle and clap push-ups. And clap push-ups, it's a quick way to flatten your face. Um, but she, she always had this extra – you could see she's a phys ed teacher. She really had – and with Calvin, Calvin could come back having, you know, I've just beaten my personal best and mm. run 20Ks and so on. And Lenore would be, yes, but you can improve it and shave off this time. But So uh, she definitely wasn't willing to accept our first attempts, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But <clears throat> let's uh, let's discuss a bit about her life. Um, Andrea, you're here and you're her oldest daughter. and. She, one of her closest friends. I know she was one of your closest friends, and I think, um, yeah, it'd be good just hearing some of your perspective on your mom and uh, just the impact she had in your life. Um, yeah, and as we're talking about this, obviously we're talking about this because a week ago today she um, lost her battle with breast cancer and she went home to be with the Lord. And although it's a loss for us, and it truly is a loss, it's, it's a gain for her. As uh, Paul says in Second Corinthians 4, this... Um, This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory that's beyond all comparison. So she has entered into the glory of the Father. And as we said, this is her first birthday in in heaven, in in paradise, uh, with reconciled to God. So, I mean, she's rejoicing. She's now fully healed. Uh, There's no more pain, no more battle with breast cancer. She knows what it's like to truly live now. Um, and so that's why we're talking about this is because uh, she has gone to be with the Lord that uh, her battle with cancer ended a week ago. Um, but, yeah, maybe, Andrea, you want to just share a couple couple thoughts you have about your mom.
3: Yes, well, I mean, who can really sum up their mom, especially one as incredible as mine? Um, I need to avoid eye contact now with everyone in the studio because um, obviously this is a highly emotional time for our family. Um, when Hunter and I were living in the States up until twenty. 20- February 2018, we moved down here. I lived there for eight and a half years. And that was a wonderful time in our lives. But we knew we wanted to move back here, not only to live as missionaries here in Cape Town, but to also be close to our family. We didn't know how much time the Lord uh, was going to give us with my mom. And that truly was one of the primary reasons we wanted to move back, to be close to the family, be close to mom, see her, uh, have her see her grandchild at the time and then eventually grandchildren. Uh, raised uh, by God's grace, even on the same property that I was privileged to be raised on. My family's lived in the same house for 30 years now, and it's not many people can say that. So being able to spend the last three and a half years here on the property, well, not here, but where we live, and um, it's just unbelievable to watch my boys be raised on— On the same property, enjoy the same garden, enjoy Easter egg hunts and Christmas mornings and Christmas eves on the same property that I was raised on. It's incredible. And even though, even if we had another 50 years with mom, it would not be enough time. It just wouldn't. But I know that even though it feels she was taken from us too soon, it's such a promotion for her. That's something my grandpa, her dad used to say that going to heaven is a promotion. And Mom's been promoted. We're suffering, we're sad, we're heartbroken. But she is enjoying fullness of life in a way she's never known before. Mm. And she is, I am certain, running and leaping and racing around and doing all kinds of things she's been wishing she could do for the past year or two. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, really, how how can you sum up my yeah. mom? <laughs> mm.
2: Well, one thing I could say is that uh, – it's not quite the same house or garden you were raised in because your mother was renovating, changing, planting, developing all the time. And just looking at the pictures over the years, when we moved into the home, it it had been student digs. And there was nothing really in the garden aside from a few trees and some grass. Um, But uh, every flower, bush, plant, uh, your mom planted, she crafted, designed, shaped and developed this garden. And and now uh, the amount of Beautiful nooks and crannies, and benches, and mm. the treehouse, the jungle gym, the uh, swing, uh, the trampoline—all the different things—and and even the cottage. All these things that were built on—it's—it's it's all been your mum's creativity. And and the house isn't the same—not no. just the this, this, um, the paint, but I mean the, the loft conversion, attic conversion, the extra additions built on. Mm. So uh, your mother really has been a busy Proverbs thirty-one. Woman doing uh, from early to late, all kinds of innovations. So uh, every single year, you see improvements. And uh,
3: every time th- you left,
2: yeah, I, I'd, I'd leave <laughs> an omission. i come back. Yeah. I'd need a guided tour as to where things are now, because uh, uh, things would be turned around and, uh, and always improved. And and the other thing is just seeing how your mother's hairstyles changed constantly, and uh, uh, so many things changed, and uh, she was never static. And I think it's also worthwhile noting that because she traveled to far and wide, joining her dad, your grandfather's missions behind nine curtains, had so many friends behind nine curtain. And around a dinner table, she had the privilege when she's growing up of having people like Brother Andrew of God Smuggler, George Verve of Operation, uh, Mobilisation, Francis Grimm Hospital Christian Fellowship, having Richard and Sabrina von Brunt of Tortured for Christ. Uh, These were guests in the home. These were friends of the family. And so she grew up surrounded by missionary legends, really. And you can just see how her creativity has really been from the earliest, not only from her parents, but from the many people she's met and the church has been to. And so regularly, it, it didn't matter where we went or what we did. Your mother was evaluating, picking up ideas from here. And, you know, that would be better if one could just do this and that. So mine was never um, static just like your hands always busy mm-hmm. uh, i remember one time in eastern europe uh, i was traveling with bill Baton, but your mom wasn't with us in that uh, time and uh, one of the communist officials asked your grandfather where's your daughter the one who knits because she is never in a meeting without sitting there she is busy knitting crocheting quilting whatever wherever she was she, and i'm used to that for seminars meetings camps courses whatever's on the go uh, your mom's hands were not idle. She She's is busy she is busy crochet. with some needlework uh, while we were busy doing other things. And, of course, her mind was racing ahead. And very critical uh, feedback over meetings and ideas of how to improve things. And I don't think most people necessarily knew that side of her, but they knew the person in the long distance walking the 5K, the 10K, the 15Ks. She's training for half marathon, The the – uh, different mountain climbs and hikes, and, of course, the dragon boating, uh, where she really threw heart and soul into that. And to think, uh, I mean, just a year ago, your mother was hiking, paddling. And uh, so for all of us, it's been distressing how her health deteriorated last year. But she beat the odds back in 2010, June 2010, when we sat in for the first meeting of this oncologist over the diagnosis. They said at that time, you will be lucky if you've got five more years. So the oncologists were predicting uh, a sort of maximum of five years from 2010. So your mother really was a survivor and a fighter.
3: She was. She really was. And even until her very last breath, she she would fight. She had a, a real sense of um, strength to her for every moment of her life. And I like to think that cancer didn't beat her, but rather – God chose to rescue her at the perfect time, in his perfect timing, and said, it is It is done. You are ready to come home to be with me. And um, for all of those who knew, my mom knew that she was not one to surrender. And I, I believe that she never surrendered, except for surrendering mm-hmm. her life to Christ. She really did. Mm-hmm. And she had such a sense of peace um, up to the very end that um, she knew where she was going. She was just heart sore for the family and the loved one she was leaving behind. She wanted to make sure all of us were taken care of, but she did more than her job, and she took Mm -hmm. great care of us, and we were blessed to be able to take care of her to the end in our own home without any full-time nurses and staff. That's just incredible. We had palliative care team, but we were the ones there, and Dad certainly lived up to every last one of his vows to her up until the very end, and um, not many families can say that they have that opportunity, so...
2: Well, um, your mother was adamant. She said, I want to die at home amongst my family, amongst those who love me. She did not want to be in a hospital, especially during this time of lockdown lunacy where people have been prevented from visiting their relatives and their elders and their parents while they've been dying. And the amount of people we know, even in our mission, who weren't allowed to see their uh, father or mothers, they were dying uh, in the last year and a half uh, during this insane time of lockdown lunacy. Uh, so uh, your mother knew what would happen. If she's in a hospital, we wouldn't have been able to visit her. And uh, that that just wouldn't have been right. So yes, although there wasn't one medically trained person amongst us, aside from paramedical first aid, uh, we just had to learn on the job. And I don't know how we did it because uh, it's beyond our capabilities, but it's the Lord's grace. And so your mom's final weeks and months were with her family, who loved her, and that's is a real blessing and right back in 2010 the first uh, reaction after the shock news that you know you've got a few years to live and you're going to die of cancer soon uh, from the oncologist your mother said to me really intently I want to live long enough to see my grandchildren
3: and she did
1: yeah and she lived to see three of her grandchildren three sons so and yeah I just think it's it's amazing just Um, Her life and her passion, her zeal. I mean, as long as I've known your mom, 11 years, she's been battling this. And she's always, Mm. I think anyone who knows her, you know, she's just full of life, full of passion, full of energy, full of fresh perspective. (laughs) She's spunky. She has something to say that you're not expecting. And, yeah, it's just Mm. I think that really defines her. But what are some, maybe you could share some fun memories or stories you have of your mom. You, Andrea, or Peter, do you want to share a couple of stories you have? Do you have any off the top of your head? No. (laughs) Put you on the spot too much.
2: Well, um, I I should say uh, that Lenore was born to ski. That's what her father Mm. said. That uh, apparently when she was just a little one, they put skis in her and pushed out the front door, and she skied down the sloping road to the kindergarten in Gruskemein. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she couldn't have even been six by then. Mm -hmm. And – S- skiing was a school sport in Austria, and it would take days to go skiing. And so uh, your mom loved skiing so much, but she said uh, that that was the biggest thing she had to give up coming to Africa was giving up skiing, which is why she uh, determined that every one of her children will get an alpine sport, which in Cape Town you only have one option, ice that's ice skating. <laughs> and you made a whole lot of friends there, because when you go ice skating during the weekday, who else is ice skating? Homeschoolers, homeschoolers. <laughs> only. I mean, everyone else is sentenced to twelve years um, uh, in a government indoctrination gulag. So uh, the home-educated children were able to meet other home-educated children by doing something and wild like some going
3: very dear friends ice skating on one of those unlikely days. We were both sides, both kids, on in both families. We were thinking, we don't want to be here, just a bunch of nerds and. There's hardly anyone here, but then we met this incredible family, the Rices, and I hope it's okay. I'm saying their also names Also missionary here. family. Also missionaries. They also had four kids. The dads got along. The moms got along. The kids got along all around the same ages. It was incredible timing, and they have been very dear friends ever since for yes. most of my life.
2: We've been involved in all sorts of ministry. Uh, their dads ministered at our meetings and camps. I've ministered in his church, and we've, we've done so many different projects together, and Goodness me. I mean, the marriages, the ages, the children all come roughly the same time. We still get to visit time. them. I mean, we're on their side great. of the
3: world. We still get to stay with them, and they still host us, and we see them when they come down here, and it's just
2: – And this is the sort of thing where uh, people would say – but what about socialization? What about sports? Uh, how we have can you, no problem you, with that. If you home-educated children, they're not going to have any friends. They're not going to get any sports opportunities. Well, that wasn't a problem in our family because your mother seemed to specialize in extramural activities.
3: I think that's the key in homeschooling. It's not just about the education and the books. It's about the extracurriculars. And mom oh. always made sure that we were plugged into different um, aspects, whether it was mm. Irish dancing, tennis, kickboxing, ice skating, Piano lessons, voice lessons, Girl guitar. Guides,
2: piano, uh, guitar, and even uh, the Royal Academy of Music exams. Yes. Yeah, we did exams.
3: Uh, too. My
2: head spun at the at the amount of things on the go, and your mother's just driving all over the place, and every corner of the peninsula. Us. And uh, you know, at school, I don't remember any extramural activities. Uh, and uh, you know, with us, it was just extraordinary. I thought, And they get to do schoolwork as well. I mean, that's just yeah. amazing.
3: We were able to use our time much better that way.
2: And to think the amount of friends all of all four of you managed to accumulate, despite uh, being in home education, we're not meant to have any friends at all. And then how you've all excelled in different types of sports, mm. uh, especially uh, Daniela in ice skating and Christopher in karate. Uh, both of which got national colors, as overseas, and Kelvin. Goodness me. Hockey. Well, he seemed to be uh, your mom's prime target for uh, her phys ed training. They so were
3: kindred spirits in that area.
2: And your mom didn't give him a break. It was continually, you can do more, you can go harder, you can go faster, you can cut off more time in this. And
3: she specialized in gentle and loving but appropriate criticism, very constructive she always knew yeah. how to encourage us in the right moments and spur us on,
2: too. Well, I remember at one time being asked, who's your best teacher? And as our minds were thinking, the person said, if you've been in the Army, you'll say you're Sergeant Major. And I thought, that's true. And then he went further and said, because your best teacher is not the one who accepts your first effort, but the one who pushes you to do more than you thought you were capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And that certainly can be said of your mom. She was a not just a good, she was a great teacher because she didn't just – build you all up, she made, she stretched you. She pushed you and me. Um, I mean, she pushed all of us that, that mm-hmm. she saw because you know, we can all climb higher, go further, uh, do more and uh, achieve better than we ever thought possible. And and she did uh, in, in her own life. And you could see what she did with the dragon budding community when she's in it. And she was chairman for several years and the spokesperson and how she really Innovated and advanced things and on every level wherever your mom got involved especially in this mm-hmm. last two years in the building projects that are missioned expansion where to think that your mom got her whole inheritance from her parents she put it entirely into this mission into developing the building project our attic conversion building the upper uh, room to honor her parents where it was actually their life savings money their sale of the house that made it possible, and then adding more dormitories, guest room, this recording studio that we're in right now, and a whole lot more. Hospitality Renovating was mission.
3: a big part of her calling, and this conversion and um, renovation really enabled that hospitality. Yes. We've been able to house so many more people just mm-hmm. in the last year since construction finished.
2: So I should, I should give an anecdote here where uh, when Lenore first joined our mission, went to our first frontline camp. Now, we'd been holding camp since 1982. And so we get to the camp, and your mom says, we're doing the catering. And I'm saying, catering? Haven't you thought of catering? Well, we'll manage. How? Now, your mom had, of course, worked in uh, Bible culture in Austria on staff and had dealt with catering, so she knew how to cater for quantities of people. And she just took it upon herself at this first camp. Now, nobody... In the past, I suppose we just opened some bully beef tins and passed around some provitas. Um, but we didn't exactly have a plan. Mm. We, well, we, we had our training plan. We had our PT plan. We had our lecture notes printed out and things but like that. But
3: food was an afterthought.
2: But food was an afterthought uh, and barely that. And your mom changed that, of course. And suddenly Frontline became known for great meals and good catering and of all course. sorts of hospitality. But that, that was your mom. When she joined us, we didn't have an admin base. We didn't have a filing system. We didn't have a record system. Uh, there were just a bunch of people going into field and some motorbikes. And uh, so uh, Frontline as a mission, uh, some people think I've developed it. Well, I didn't develop the admin. Uh, that, that your mom set up all that. And if people like the good food at our camps, they can totally thank Laura mm-hmm. Hammond mm-hmm. because that wasn't on my agenda at all.
3: Mm-hmm. No, and like you said, when she uh, endeavored anything, she always went in 100 percent and – With the paddling community, she, I believe, was recruited via Reach for Recovery, which is uh, an organization that really encourages those who've um, battled breast cancer. They visit you in the hospitals. And so, of course, Mom immediately got involved as soon as she was healthy enough to do so, gets recruited into the dragon boating community. The Amabella Bells is our team. And immediately she starts recruiting people through Reach for Recovery. Come, you must come. Once you're better, once you're healthier, please, once you're able, come to the boat. And so many people have been recruited to the team. Through mom, And, of course, it's a whole team. It's not just her, but she has absolutely made her mark in the dragon boating community, not just in Cape Town, but internationally. We've been getting messages from around the world, people who got to paddle with her in Spain, Italy, Florence. Vienna. Yes, and also, sorry, Florida, not Florence, although she did paddle in Florence, Italy as well. And they just were touched by her in the short amount of time they knew her. They knew that she was just so full of life, so full of love and so incredibly kind and just had such a fighting spirit in her. So in in this dragon boating community alone, she's made a huge impact.
2: Yes, and then in, in the hiking community, and there's uh, trails that uh, she's done. A good friend, Jan, uh, who she recruited into uh, dragon boating as well. And Lenora wasn't just satisfied to paddle. I mean, she very quickly became stroke, uh, setting the pace in front. But she trained to be a helm, and being a helm is not easy that's the person standing up at the back and steering and to keep standing while everyone's plowing ahead uh, in a race and you accelerate you on, incredible
3: to not fall that. off uh,
2: yes exactly and and she managed to do that and it was absolutely extraordinary and her friend joanne also learned to mm-hmm. helm and and Within a month. <laughs> and she she really just uh, got the people involved in what needed to be done and i could just see so many different innovations we've got a Uh, amazing amount of magazines and newspaper cuttings where uh, she was the spokesperson mobilizing support and awareness and um, especially Octobers and uh, getting on TV and radio as well, uh, promoting the whole course. So Lenora took um, her battle with cancer as a call to a new mission field and ministry.
0: You've been listening to a podcast of Dr. Peter Hammond along with his son-in-law Hunter Combs and daughter Andrea Combs As they reflected on the remarkable life of Lenora Hammond To hear the whole podcast you may find it at fromthefrontline.podbean.com Please pray for our brother Peter as he grieves and readjusts to life without his dear wife Now from 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is Spirit. Please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.